The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up, And said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin any more. The Gospel of the Lord. In the first reading from the prophet Isaiah, he's kind of speaking on the behalf of God. And he tells what kind of God he's speaking for, right? The God who who opens the way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who snuffed out and quenches the wicked. He's telling, of course, kind of the, the, the times of the past from the Israelites being brought out of Egypt. But then he says, remember not the events of the past. Wait, why? Aren't those good events? Aren't those good things to remember? But yet, God, through Isaiah, says, remember not the events of the past. And he says, see, I am doing something new. I am doing something new. I don't think that he wants us to necessarily have amnesia and completely forget about the past, okay? But I think that this is an important thing for us to realize is that God always wants to do something new. He's done amazing things in the past, throughout history. But today and in the future, he wants to do something new. And sometimes when we just rely or remember the past, we sometimes have an inability to receive the new things that God wants to give us. We look at it as a whole church. We sometimes assume that we just need the same things of the past. And that will fix our church. But God wants to do something new. There are amazing, there's an amazing history with this parish of St. Joseph. They built this church, right? 
has filled it for over a hundred years, right? But God wants to do something new. And if we always just rely on the past, of the good things of the past, and expect that to be the same as the future, we sometimes limit God in what He wants to do. Because He wants to do something new. St. Paul in the second reading amazingly states, I consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ. Everything as a loss. And so we look at our own church, in a way, and we look as everything pales in comparison. Everything, all the material parts of this church, pales in comparison to knowing Christ. That even if we didn't have this building, even though if we didn't have this history, even if we didn't have everything, all of it wouldn't matter because all that we need is to know Christ. And everything else pales in comparison. What kind of new ways does God want to work in this church, in this community, in the church, throughout the whole world? But yet, we don't always allow it. We sometimes say, well, this, has been the, this is what we've always done, right? This is what we've always done, and so we've got to keep on doing it. Well, no, God wants to do something new. That might be difficult, might be different, but He wants to do something new so that we might encounter Christ once again. St. Paul says later in the reading, Forgetting what lies behind, but straying forward to what lies ahead. Do we believe that God still has new things, new things of hope and new things of joy and new renewal within the church? That we have hope that there is something to strain towards in the future. I hope that you see different good things happening in this parish. And I know that all of you might not have seen the different things that are happening throughout the church in the United States and throughout the world. But I know for myself, being in seminary, I got to see a lot of good new movements that are happening. God is working new things on college campuses and throughout the world. And there are new things happening that are renewing the, world, renewing the church in different ways. And we ourselves are called to participate in those new ways that He's calling us to. So that's kind of on a, on a broad stroke, right, as a church, that God wants to do new things. We don't quite know what they are, but we want to be open to them, okay? But He also doesn't just want to do new things in our church in ways unexpected, but He also wants to work new things in each one of our lives. Now, kind of looking at, again, what we kind of talked about before, that God has worked amazing things in history, and that we sometimes want Him to act in the same way, right? We want another St. Francis of Assisi. We want, you know, just uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola. We want these kind of great saints to come again, and then they'll fix the church. But God wants new saints. He wants new things. In our own life, in our spiritual life, I hope that we all have had a beautiful encounter at different times with God's grace. Whether it's an encounter with the Eucharist, whether it's an encounter with a beautiful experience of of Christian charity, or it's an experience of, of maybe peace that was unexplainable. 
Maybe it's a conviction of just knowing that God is there. Or maybe it's seeing Him work in a miraculous way in your life. I hope that all of us have different experiences in that way. But we sometimes kind of judge our relationship with God on the things or the ways that we've experienced Him in the past and don't allow Him to work in new ways in our life, in our spiritual life, in the way that He encounters us. We sometimes limit Him in our expectation. And so certainly we want to set aside the good things, not to completely forget them, as if He hasn't done anything good in our life, but not that those expectations of the past form what we expect to happen in the future. But we also want to realize that God wants to do new things, not just in, the, in uh, taking good things and making them better, but also we hear from the Gospel today the way that He transforms us into new things even in the midst of our greatest shame or sin. I can't imagine a more shameful situation than what we hear in the Gospel today. Where Jesus is in the temple, and this woman who is caught in the, commi- in the act of adultery is dragged before Jesus, right? This very holy person that everybody knew But not only that, but in front of the temple, right? In the midst of the church. With all the Pharisees and all the other righteous people standing around. And this accusation that is coming. I can't imagine a more shameful or miserable situation. But Jesus is not tricked into lowering himself to our human sin, or our human tests, or tricks. I love how slow he responds. He bends down and starts writing in the ground. Some people think that he didn't even write anything. He maybe just doodled. Just doodled in the ground. But they kept on asking him, Jesus, what do we do? What do we do? Do we have to stone her, right? And then he straightens back up. I can almost imagine just deliberately and slowly and responds this beautiful line, right? He who let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. He gets out of this. He doesn't doesn't, uh, condone the sin. He doesn't say that adultery is just fine. We don't have to worry about it anymore. He doesn't say that we need to stone her right now. He says, let the, first, the one without sin throw the first stone. And they leave. Now I just love this situation because it reminds me so much of the confession. We often come in, and when we encounter Jesus in confession and reconciliation, often, uh, at least building up to it, it can seem like as if it's the biggest shame, right? To have to uh, present our sins, to accuse ourselves of sin, we think, how, you know, how can Jesus love me if he knows about these things, right? How can the priest not look at me the same way, right? If he knows, if he, if he hears these sins that I've committed, these great shame that, that I don't want anybody to know about, not even God. But Jesus is not overcome by sin. 
He's not overcome by our miserableness, but instead encounters our miserableness and gives us mercy. And we hear in other scripture that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That Jesus is never overcome or overwhelmed by our sin, but always has a response of mercy. And that's one of the most beautiful sacraments. Well, I I guess I only get to celebrate so many sacraments as a priest. But the Eucharist and reconciliation are by far my two favorite sacraments. Because there's this beautiful interaction every single time of encounter of God wanting to work new things in your life in the sacrament of reconciliation. Where we come before Him and God doesn't condone our sins and say, oh, it's, it's just fine, that doesn't, doesn't matter. But is instead able to say, neither do I condemn you. Here is my mercy. Go and sin no more. And in that, we have new life. We have new opportunities. We're not bound to the past, to our sins, but instead are given a new way to the future. It's tradition that this woman who Jesus encountered in this story is Mary Magdalene. There's not any historical evidence or or exact connection, but that's kind of a a tradition, is that Mary Magdalene, one of the greatest early, one of the greatest disciples of Jesus, and that followed Jesus, was one of the greatest saints, was this woman who encountered God's mercy in her greatest shame. And from that, lived an amazing new life. God wants to do new things in our church, and He wants to work new wonders in your life. I invite you, if you haven't already had the chance to go to confession during this Lenten season, Lent is always an amazing time to be able to go to confession. And so even if you're not able to during Lent, I encourage you to go uh, soon and encounter the mercy of God and the new ways that God wants to interact with us. We come here today to receive His mercy and His grace and encounter Him and to receive Him in the Eucharist, this great gift that He continues to give us. He certainly doesn't walk with us the way that He did 2,000 years ago. He doesn't lead us out of Egypt in the same way as, you know, sending plagues and raising up the Red Sea, but yet He still works new things. He gives us the Eucharist. He gives us the sacrament of reconciliation, and He continues to give us His grace in new ways. May we be open to receiving those new ways that He wants to give us.